Welcome to The Lumber Word, where industry veterans Matt Beamer, Greg Riley, and Ashley Buckle dissect the world of commodity lumber each week. We bring you up-to-date insights on supply, demand, and market trends, sharing our trading expertise to benefit everyone in the supply chain. Join us for informative and entertaining discussions that guarantee to make you wiser about all things lumber. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Lumber Word. Matt, Greg, and I are recording this on January 24th, 2024. Hopefully, we get it out to you right away. Uh, I've had some great feedback from last week's show. Actually, had some people call, and we're working on putting together some spots, some pre-, mid-, and post-rollout advertisements for people. So if you're interested, uh, you can message me. Want to jump back right into it. How are you boys doing, Matt and Greg? Awesome. Outstanding. Outstanding. I love it. Uh, so market update, a little bit has changed uh, since we talked last time. We had a, we'll get into it. We talk about different species, but we had a, uh, a mill announcement on Monday afternoon or Monday evening when we're all sitting home at dinner and we all got hit with the email. I think, Matt, you were the first one to send it over to me. And 10 years ago, I would have probably freaked out about it. Now I'm like, eh, okay, I'll deal with that tomorrow. Right. Um, <laughs> but it was funny. I, I got to work Tuesday morning and like not many people had even heard about it. And I don't want to say didn't care about it, but everybody's like, okay, like almost was kind of expected in a way. But with that said, we had a little, a uh, little bit of a rally on some certain items. And I can tell you from, the market I trade in, it's definitely better than it was last week at this time. It seems like some items probably reached their low trade point and uh, maybe bounced a little bit. I know that's a very, very 40, 50, 100,000 foot look at the market. But what, do you, what did you guys see this week? I am actually, you know, yesterday was a good day and Monday was a decent day. Today, I'm not super busy. I don't know if it's just the post-rally hangover or... If Whatever it is that I want to sell, it just people don't seem to be interested in as much today as yesterday. But overall, you know, I've been busy. Like last week, you said you weren't that busy. I was busy last week. And so maybe it's just we're all taking turns selling things at different times. But I like the market in general. I, I think that there's going to be weather disruptions. And so you kind of have to go where the weather isn't terrible, which right now most of America has some residue of bad weather, unless you're in the Pacific office like Greg. But uh, I mean, even, I talked to a guy in, in Arizona today. He said that it's muddy down there because they got a little bit of rain, which that doesn't happen very often down there. So in, in Oregon, I mean, we just actually went from a week ago, everybody was out of power and there was ice storms all over the place to now it's 55 degrees and pouring rain. They call it the Pineapple Express. And so the ground is saturated. Like literally there's nowhere for the water to go. I'm going to drive over the Willamette river at lunchtime today. And it's yeah. going to look like the Mississippi. It's going to look like the Mississippi in April. It's going to just be a giant bloated Brown mess with logs floating down it. If you're, if you're trying to develop, pour some concrete in, in, in Oregon, Western Oregon today, good luck to you, buddy. It's not going to happen. So that's something that I'm, I think is a, is a, is a real deal right now, weather. But if you're, if you're looking at, the 40,000 foot perspective, it doesn't matter what's happening today, right? Like if you, if you really, really want to be good at this and you want to 
make educated decisions. Today matters a little bit, but a month from now and two months from now and three months from now matters just as much, if not more. So you have to really try to take both perspectives at the same time. And so that being said, I'm, I'm rather optimistic. You know, it's, we've have, we have good economic news out there. The stock market's making new highs. Our economy is home building seems to be healthy. So I can't complain. Yeah, Matt, I think uh, you get a good point. I guess Greg and I, when we kind of rounded up at the end of the day, it's like, we'll pass on some stuff and take some stuff. But it's funny, some of the stuff we pass on, items, for people will circle back the next day and pay our number that's significantly higher than what we had a counter on the day before. And like, <laughs> I'm learning to walk down the hill instead of run down it sometimes on, on, <laughs> in those cases. And, and that's, a mar that's kind of the market we're in. It's like there's people throwing out bids every day, and then somebody comes back the next day. I'm like, Greg, man, they paid $20, like what? what our ask price was versus that counter and like, wow. But then yesterday we put a whole bunch of RFQs out on some items and you get the hard items like the dog breakfast tallies, which have like five items on them. But the ones that you thought you yeah. had priced really well and you were going to get them, you didn't get them. They only want the orders you get and take are the only ones that matter. All That's the rest right. of them. Good. It's good for information. I had a couple of points. One was I wanted to, you know, put kudos out to, uh, you know, to the squad here. We've been doing this now for what, about a year, year and a half, Ash? I would say just being together, we've been over almost two years, right? Doing this. It's I mean, coming and, up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, listen, we do, we do this because it's fun and it's good for us to just kind of get together and, and, and hash things out. Uh, apparently, there's a lot of folks in the industry that are starting to enjoy it. You know, pretty exciting news there, Ash. Uh, you've been invited up to uh, broadcast live from the Montreal Wood Exchange. That's, uh, that's very exciting. In terms of the market, the number one I'm going to say, Matt, you have been spot on for at least the last three, four, five months. I mean, anybody that just did nothing but listen to you is in great shape. That's, um, that's true. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm just saying, the, the other thing I look at is, given the weather that we're enduring, it's, it, the, the market strength is impressive. If you, if you just think about you know, what the market wants to do, the market keeps telling us that it wants to go higher. We are in seasonal strength and you know, that extends for the next, I don't know, you know, 60, 60 to 90 days. When we get into that, actually, we're going to do, um, you know, Mary Day dump today. Absolutely. Oh, okay, good. Well, I, would, I don't want to, I don't want to jump ahead though. But I did just want to have, we had real good feedback last week about talking about Southern Yellow Pine and it's a whole other market. So we're making a concerted effort to bring on some guests to talk about that in the future. We're starting to get a, a schedule together, but I, as a teaser, we have one of the largest European lumber importers mills that's going to be on next week. A very knowledgeable gentleman. So, you know, anybody that listens this week, you want to make sure you get in next week. Yeah, good point. And back to what you just said about Matt. It's funny, Greg. I can I can probably list a bunch of times over the last three or four months 
we're on a Friday or Saturday where we're decompressing on stuff. You're like, yeah, Matt was, Matt was spot on about that. <laughs> where, where we were thinking about something different, right? I mean, yeah. So yeah, don't tell anybody. Yeah. I want the secret to get out. That's good. So a little feedback from some of the listeners um, that we're having a lot more people listening. We hear everything from younger people at mill sales floors, wholesale sales floors, learning stuff from us to VPs at large companies listening to this. And we appreciate all of them and we are grateful for that. And we want to throw something out there to everybody. We've had some people say, could you do some OSB and maybe get a little bit more regional when you talk about it or get less, expand your regions when you talk about items? Because we do talk a little bit about, we talk about what we know and we're going to do our best to, to talk about other things. We, we could just pretend to know about some other regions, but we'll... Uh... I thought that's what I was doing already. <laughs> no, no no doubt. We'll, we'll, um, anyway, Let, let's talk about that. Because when I first started talking, Ashley, when we were young, you know, 25 years ago, yeah, you were an upper Midwest guy. You you were at Block and Greg was with Block and, and you guys did a lot of like reloaded stuff in... Uh, Edwardsburg, Michigan and, and Nolan in Detroit. And like, you know, you had a lot of that yep. upper Midwest business. Now, you know, you guys are, you know, Greg still does some of his Northeast stuff, but now you're, you're mainly Southern. you got this Florida to Texas business. And so your business has changed a little bit. We could always use a guy that's a real expert in the upper Midwest it, it, to come you know on as a guest, that, right? That would- we did that because, you know, there's more starts in uh, San Antonio, which is the fourth largest market in Texas, than there are in Chicago. In Chicago. <laughs> right. No, but, I mean, I understand. Like, like my business is, is heavier to Texas now than it used to be because I've been doing business in Texas for 29 years. But the percentage of business I do in Texas has just gone up just naturally just because that's where all the housing starts are. But but no, I mean, it would be good to have a, a guy from the Midwest that's like an old, you know, I could name some names, but there there's several people that are that are sharp, Spruce guys and Doug Fernhemfer guys, MSR guys in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois, Michigan. Our buddy in Michigan, the treater guy, he's no he's nobody's fool. Yeah. There's a lot there's lots of people that we know in this business in, in those markets that that would be good candidates to come on here. And Matt, you picked a perfect, like, so I'm quoting stuff into Wisconsin in some areas today. That's a tough area to quote into sometimes because you've got the Western spruce coming in there. You got Eastern spruce coming in there. You've got mills that want to be everything to everybody, putting wood on the ground there, trying to just take any order at any price, which makes no sense sometimes. But you're right. It's got its own unique, its own unique characteristics, <laughs> which are very interesting. But we'll do our best over the time to to create. Greg, what do we say? Some more regional dichotomy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to dig into regional dichotomies. Absolutely. <laughs> I just wanted. To let me th- let me ask you. Let me ask you something right now, Ash. Yeah. Um, what do you what do you what do you what do you think about the curtailment, like in the big picture? What do you think about it? I've been thinking a lot about it and I've been watching these curtailments slash closures. And I guess when I look at it, what I see, and maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit here. When I run, 
a Phoenix 2100 MSR chart against a Great Lakes 2100 MSR chart. I watched that basis over the last five years expanding to its all-time wide basis of about $150. And I say to myself, self, self, what does this mean? And what it means is a lot <laughs> more, less high grades in the Canadian spruce, Western Canadian spruce that are going to be coming out, a lot less production. And I see it in MSR. I see it in other things. And I think that we're kind of, we're going to see more of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, when, when you have arguably the lowest cost producer in North America continuing to permanently shut production capability, you know, that's telling you a lot about like prices and, you know, if they're coming out with that, how much is supply actually trickling off? And when do we hit the tipping point between consumption and supply? I'll add to that the projections on European lumber. We'll get more input on this next week, but yeah. the run rate now on European imports continues to fall. And the combination we've had multiple reports now of the European markets being better and the returns being substantially higher than the current US market, which is going to divert production there. So and a freight spike. You know, when do we when and do we hit spike. that tipping point? When well, do we so, hit that tipping point? Greg, Greg, just to add to what you said, we were talking to a couple of European producers over the last few weeks and what they told us a month ago and two months ago, some of these Middle East areas and other ones have just quickly become better to ship to. And as Matt just said, some of these European shippers have said, we're scheduling our vessels for March, but we still don't know what our freight's going to be because they'll tell us in March how much it's jumped, if it's ever, what has gone up. So yeah, a lot of uncertainty. But to your point, Greg, I think we all thought that we had adjusted back to a normalized amount of euro after that big move in Q3 last year. And now, I mean, arguably we're saying we're going to get less, but how much less, right? Well, we're, we're probably at 40% of Q1 last year level. And I suspect that, you know, that's going to tail off further in the second quarter. That's going to change who I may want to date now going forward too. <laughs> so, no, but but to add to that, let's let's bring let's bring it all together. So, less Western spruce, less Euro. The Western spruce side of things, we we've been talking about this. The economics of it just doesn't work anymore. They've gone from the cheapest log in the world to the most expensive log in North America, and and the labor costs are up. And you know, I mean, they got to go farther away to get the logs. So there's more transportation on the log cost side. Everything that they're doing costs more money. Now, if we can keep lumber prices in the 440 or higher range as the the quarter goes on and the and the year goes on, they'll make some money. It won't be a it won't be a loss, um, but it won't be very profitable. But the big point I'm trying to make here is you look at who what the Fraser announcement with Fraser Lake shutting down, 160 mm -hmm. million board feet, not that big of a deal. Like in the big scheme of things, it's only 160 million board feet. However, it signals something else underlying that decision which is these mills in canada spent billions of dollars buying yellow pine production over the last decade right and they're making money in the south even at 400 mil right 
they're making money. They can't make money in Canada at 400 mil, but they can make money in Alabama at 400 mil. And so what incentive do they have to keep these mills open if they're just old, dilapidated, inefficient sawmills that lose money all the time? Meanwhile, their shareholders demand a return on their investment. And so they, they make more money down the South. Now they're starting to see the big picture like, well, let's just Let's just move our assets. Let's move the chips from one part of the table to the other. And that's what they're doing. I expect more of that, honestly, not less. I think that the um, government in Canada has turned their back on the Western Canadian producers and it's going to, it's going to bite them. Honestly, I really, we went through this in Oregon 40 years ago. So I've seen this already. What happens to uh, public timber? It just gets disappeared. They'll find a new, uh, for us, it was the spotted owl. For the Canadians, it's the caribou. But they'll find a reason to not let these guys have timber in the future, and, and they're going to drive these companies away. Yeah, once you lose that infrastructure, I saw it in the Flagstaff market when I went down and visited one time. That used to, you know, once you lose that infrastructure that. of loggers and logging and sawmills, you don't just flip it on back on in a year. It's once it's gone, it's like it's kind of gone. gone. So yeah, this, that's that's you know that's a, a disappointing for for some people in that area. So I don't know. Hopefully it's slowed down, but we'll see. Mary Day dump. You ready? Well, actually, I want to just so we talked about curtailments. We talked about. Well, I guess we'll talk about eastern and western spruce and all that. We talked about euro. Yeah, let's let's talk about Mary Date. And I put break up instead of dump. It sounds so much better when my divorced. wife is listening to my my uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> dump <laughs> okay okay um i'm pretty excited i'm pretty excited about <laughs> i am i'm dating uh euro two by four 16s i continue to date them because of the high level of liquidity uh it's just a great it's just a it's a great just a great item to be out there like having fun with here my here's what i'm married to I am married to two by four, 104 and five eights studs. This is a lifelong, hopefully it lasts at least a few months. Um, these are so undervalued. Uh, if you're a basis trader, if you're out there, if you should be loading the boat and selling May against them. If you are a multifamily and you have jobs starting in the second quarter, you should be covering them. Find someone who wants to sell you close to today's number and pants them. Okay. Um, if you're a retail end user, <laughs> what what is your what is your comfort level on inventory? And whatever it is, double it. These are cheap on a on a on a basis level, on an actual level, and this is a football item. Okay. This is a long ball item. Let's go. Dumping. What am I dumping? You know what? I'm not dumping anything right now. You know, I've been slow. I've been on a slow burn with Matt, you know, like feeling like, yeah, Matt's really got a feel for this. You know what? I'm kind of like jumping up on the table right now and going, bye, 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 bye. <laughs> You're making you me go. nervous. Oh, man. <laughs> Okay, Matt. Matt, to you. What do you? Uh, what? What do you? Uh, what do you like? 
Well, that cute gal in the corner over there who I plan on making my wife is Canadian dry dug fur two before. There we got some different regionality. If they want to dump it, I want to buy it because uh, at some of the levels we're hearing and seeing, it's cheaper than spruce. And my rule of thumb, and this is a rule of thumb that goes back 29 years, is whenever you can buy two before or two by six dry dug fur or dry white fur, inland white fur, below the cost of spruce, you just shut your eyes and buy as many as you can and don't worry about it, right? You just, that's a Mary. That's not a date. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the date one, I'm kind of on Greg's side here, but it's more like just studs in general, two before studs. So I like all two before eights white wood whether it's Eastern Western spruce or whether it's hemlock or WW, whatever you want to call it two before nine, two and five, eight stud or greater, uh, in it, you know, all the way up to premium. I want to own those. I think they're just too cheap relative to time of year and uh, future demand and the cost of two before random. So if you look at all those things, I think 92s are undervalued right now. 104s are obviously undervalued. Greg's advice is perfect. I can't say it any better. And then, therefore, what you'll also see is 116s will start to scoot up, too, in concert with 104s. And if 116s stay down, they'll get bought up by people that might finger join them. Because finger joining, finger joint studs are running 150 over solid studs. So well, the finger joint numbers are crazy. Yeah. They're, they're 700. Yeah. 700 versus 540. You know, I mean, you tell me what anything could be finger jointed at 700 right so uh right anyhow there's some there's some things and then as far as the the gal that i don't like anymore and i'm kicking her out of the harem she's getting out like getting out at the next corner that would be domestic two before doug fur so while Mm -hmm. i really like the imported doug fur because they want to dump it at the same time I want to sell the domestic Doug fur because if you look at the values on print, they're much higher. I'm a seller there and a and a buyer over here. What's the difference in freight to most places between domestic and Canadian, Matt? Is it? Uh, is it I'd say twenty to forty okay. at the most, but yeah, I say twenty on a, as a rule of thumb. Got it. In favor of the Americans, shorter freight mm-hmm. rates. Yep. Yeah. All right, mine's mine's gonna be pretty easy because Greg, I think. Uh, should have let me go first because I had the same some of the same ones you had. I did no, I, I front ran you. On yeah, that. that's okay. That's fair <laughs> enough. Um, so married to two by four, one hundred four. Own it, love it. It got down to a less volatile. But once it gets down to a, a zero on the crazy and hot chart, two by four, two by four, one hundred four and five eighths are like um, really hot, but not crazy. And any time that they get down, now I'm talking Western to a zero. So look, I like two by four, one hundred four and five ace. Um, and looking at the charts this week, any time that they get down to almost zero basis to two by four Western, when I'm talking like Great Lakes and Boston, there's very few times that it ever gets down and trades below zero. And when it does, it generally snaps, snaps. back pretty quickly. And so I like that date. I've tried dating the older and younger sisters of two by four, 16 euro before the 12s and the 14s, but they just don't have the same volatility that I like in the two by four, 16s, right? Everybody calls me and tells me about where my two by four, 16s should be trading at. And 
when I start to hate him again, somebody comes in and pays my number again. So I really like him. And I'm going to continue to like him until I don't anymore. Uh, break up with, I'm going to break up with two by four, even though I don't buy it anymore, Western MSR. And I've got my eye on Great Lakes MSR if they ever want to go to a dance with me at like fifty to eighty dollars below today's price. That's that's kind of what I'm what I'm looking at. A few things that I, I did want to just two things I want to talk about, if we could, that in the what I heard segment this week. So we talked a lot about Southern Yellow Pine and SPF, and that got a lot of people calling me, like on the phone. Like immediately after the podcast was released, people that say that people do not switch Southern Yellow Pine for SPF. And then talked to a person yesterday, said yes, they had a big customer that actually did switch Southern Pine to SPF. A lot of people in the Southeast and the, and the Southwest don't prefer to do that, but it strictly was a pricing game for somebody, right? So I think some people, does this make sense? Some people do and some people don't. And yeah. and I, I think it's a hey, it's a slim gem item. You know, you love it or you hate it. That's that's exactly it. So that's one thing I wanted to talk about. And then if you had you guys had any feedback on that. And the other one was person told me last year, for historically over time, they're about 80% car. I'm talking big buyers in the south and southeast. 80% car, 20% truck. And some people were telling me last year because the spreads of trucks kind of came in, they were 20% car, 80% truck. And I scratched my head and I'm like, could that be possible? And I, and I guess my, did you see that in your business? Did you, did you realize that? Why is that? I just thought that was a cool stat to talk about. I think that has more to do with what we talked about for most of last year, which was the cost of money, the accountants in the back room telling people to keep their inventory low, and the ready availability of quick trucks from ports or people like me that have wood on the ground. And so they were willing to pay the uh, extra money, or sometimes the money wasn't all that much extra, but I mean, but they were willing to do that because they didn't want to carry the inventory, so they just wanted to do much more of this just-in-time fill-in type buying. Uh, as opposed to the two years previous where they just wanted to own it. Like I would have got, I would have people call me up and say, I just need to get in your order file. Like, yeah. uh, well, we're out five weeks. I don't care. Put me in there, you know? Well, that's over. So, you know, a return to reality. And and, the, and then the reality that we're facing was 7% interest rates, 6% interest rates, 8% mortgage rates. You know, people just had to pay more to store lumber. Why not transfer that cost over to Greg or, or me or you or blue links or anybody else that distributes this stuff on a, on a full-time basis. It just fit their business plans for last year. I think you'll see more of the same this year. Honestly, I, I, I don't think it's going to change all that much this year. Significantly. I think, I don't know. I, I hate to say this, but I, I feel like, I feel like this year is going to be fairly similar to last year overall. Now I don't know you know, what the election's going to do. And I don't know what, you know, more curtailment's going to do to the market. But I do feel like we're at a fairly, we're starting the year off at a fairly good equilibrium between supply and demand. And so 
I think we should all be sensitive to changes in supply and changes in demand. You know, I mean, I guess I, I, the only thing I like, I challenge that from the standpoint of, I actually don't think this year is going to be as good as last year. And if you think about it, last year we had a $150 rally in January because, you know, we came into the year, nobody had any inventory and, and things thought, people thought things were going to be terrible. Then, you know, that mark, then it's, then it sold off like, like a hundred dollars of it. And then we had a hundred dollar rally in March. So we had, we, we had, we had so much more volatility than we've had so far this year. And I just don't think we're going to have that same volatility. I think it's much more of a, of a slow grinding stair step up. I think we will see higher prices, but I think they're going to be really hot, hard fought. I mean, this is this is trench warfare market. You need to be down in there, you know, with your bayonet ready to slit somebody's throat. Right. I just think that if you're disciplined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, are you with me, brother? Let's go. Let's yeah, I am. I'm coach. absolutely. I'm ready. I'm ready to play. Let's dance. Greg, Greg um, had two cups of coffee today, Matt. I did. Yeah, he's, he's actually, actually got me first thing this morning before my coffee. I told him don't ever do that again. And then I said about an hour before we came on, I go, I'm gonna go get another cup of coffee so I'm re ready to go. And it did not disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, well, I feel hey, like uh, uh, you know Nick, good good stuff. Go yeah, ahead, Matt. What were you saying? No, I just was to finish Greg's point. I, I think I think you're probably right in terms of the volatility aspect of it, but I I just feel like it's going to be similar kind of market makeup. The big change between this year and last year is we don't have that massive pile of euro stuff laying around the ports. You know, right. as as of this time last year, we had a big pile of euro laying around. And more coming. Um, yeah. That we don't have that this year, so there's going to be room. There's yeah. there's going to actually be some room for rallies, right? If there's if there's more curtailments, you know, we didn't even talk about this, but Dunkley laid off a shift. They they knocked their production down twenty five percent. You know, there's other things going on out there that that it's will affect production. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's quiet quitting going on out there, and there there will be curtailments that we don't even hear about because people don't call random links or they don't send out an email. They don't, they don't contact Reuters. Um, anyhow, just stuff to pay attention to. Well, great show today, guys. And everybody, thanks for listening to this week's January 24th, 2024 episode of the lumber word, Matt, Greg, and I will be back next week with our guest. That is like Greg said, is uh, one of the top experts in not only European lumber, but, southeast southern yellow pine production so we'll look forward to that uh we're building a big schedule for our guests and uh we look forward to a big uh, year for the podcast in 2024 so appreciate it everybody greg and matt hope you have a great week thanks for listening to this week's episode of the lumber word the lumber word podcast is dedicated to engaging conversations about the lumber industry including trading ideas market trends and evaluations of overvalued and undervalued assets we wish to emphasize that the discussions and opinions expressed in this podcast are purely for informational and entertainment purposes. They should not be considered as financial or investment advice. We encourage our listeners to make their own financial decisions, taking into account their unique circumstances and financial goals, and to seek professional financial advice if necessary.